Hey, everybody, this is John at Ubali Reports, providing fact, not fiction on issues facing America, whether globally or domestically. And with me is my three, two other cohorts, Big Bad Joe Bitts, a combat Marine from Iraq. And we've got another Marine, Ray Krause, and we're talking about issues facing America. And I guess today we're doing the wrap-up, or basically, where was the red wave? So how's it going, Joe and Ray? Mm, great, John. I'm good. How are you? Good. So what did you guys think of the the election? I mean, I thought there would be a red wave. I predicted it on this thing that Republicans would take the House and they stood a better than 50-50 chance of taking the Senate. But I thought it would be a bigger red wave than we got. Well, I'm going to treat it like a Buccaneers win. Like even if it's by like an inch or a mile, I'm going to take a win. So I think we're going to wait just till the Senate kind of finishes up. Yeah, because you got three this, seats. And then also, where are we right now in the House? Have we taken it yet? The last, port re- the last reports I saw before coming on this podcast, Tom Keene Jr. won a race, flipped a seat in New Jersey. So I think they're one seat away from taking the majority or at least the House. Okay. The Senate is a little problematic. You got three seats we don't know yet. One, the Georgia Senate race is going to a, re- a runoff, which will happen on December the 6th. So that leaves Arizona and Nevada, as far as last check I last check that I looked at. Salt was ahead in Arizona, excuse me, Nevada, and Masters was just a little bit behind Mark Kelly. But there's still a lot of I'm not sure where his vote a lot of the ballots are coming. I think Maricopa County is another one of the issues. What were we expecting with this red wave? Like what were maybe like the idea like we were going to take like 60 percent of the the senate or we were going to take like super majority of the house or because i think they hyped up this red wave a little bit too much where i think just as long as the republicans take over control of the house and the senate we're in a stalemate with our president i think they were looking at 25 to 30 in the house okay they weren't okay when in 2010, when the Republicans had a red wave against when President Barack Obama, they got 63 seats. That was huge. Nobody was expecting that because in 2020, the Republicans picked up 20 seats in the House. So there, was no, there wasn't much, many House seats to flip. So they were looking at 25 to 30. I think the reason they looked at, I mean, if you just look at the conditions of the country, what were the top issues voters were concerned about? Inflation, the economy, crime, immigration, those played out. I mean, that was the same issue throughout the country, but it seemed like abortion maybe and um, the threat to democracy came in. And it seems like it was like a mixed bag for both. But I also think it was a Pyrrhic victory for the Democrats, meaning, yeah, the Democrats didn't get the big blue, the big red wave that swamped the Republicans into power, but... It also means they could misread their mandate. Now, there's a segment that Joe Biden said he's not going to change anything. But some of the issues that voters were concerned about haven't been addressed. What are you going to do about inflation? What are you going to do about the economy? What are you going to do about crime and immigration? I got their answer. They're going to do nothing. Oh, yeah. But see, (laughs) with inflation tomorrow, I mean, this is the ninth. Tomorrow, the 10th, the GDP, uh, the GDP, the CPI, the Consumer Price Index comes out. And then you've got, which I think is going to be a little bit above 8%. And then on the 19th, we've said this many times on this podcast, 
the rail the railroad strike the unions reject two unions or three unions rejected the president's brokered agreement in September they want to go on strike but they had a cooling off period well that cooling off period ends the 19th of November we were also facing diesel shortage mm-hmm. so all these issues are still there and they have to be addressed. So, what kind of tone does this set for 2024? We were talking off, off, off mic a little bit about we don't think Trump might have the steam that we thought he did originally. And I, I mean, I kind of stick with what I said a couple shows ago: is that him coming into the election, him at 78, he would be the same age as Biden was when he. And I mean, the not. That I'm judging his cognitive function, but I don't want someone that old in office. I I can't stand it. But you know how DeSantis was showing up for Florida yesterday. I mean, like this guy's a year younger than me. I can get down with this guy. But see, the thing is with Donald Trump, there was an article in Real Clear Politics, and Real Clear Politics an aggregate a lot of both liberal and conservative news articles and columns and opinions. This guy wrote an article, and he said he titled it Dear Donald Trump. Yeah. He goes, I supported you wholeheartedly. I don't regret that decision in 2016 and 2020. I thought you were the best for the country. But you did something that you flipped the parties. You've made the Republican Party the party of the working class. And facts will play that out. Where you, The Democrats are now the party of the elites the academics, the media, the financial institutions. And what you need to do, we need somebody who can go eight years. If you run for president and you're so polarizing to the Democrats, and this played out in this midterm election, anybody that was aligned, there's some candidates like J.D. Vance won and others, but not a lot of candidates who were supported by Donald Trump won. Yeah, And maybe Merritt Oz might okay and he lost but a challenger that he beat in the primaries maybe if he would have won instead of merit oz yeah that could have flipped that seat so what he's saying is we got that but you're polarizing you can help the party but you can also help the country by getting somebody into office who can serve eight years put conservative principles there but help solve Rising, get us back to energy independence that you had. Yeah. Get the inflation now. Get some of these other. So basically, he was saying, put your ego in the drawer. Look at what's best for the country. Yeah. Not what's best for you, and don't try to score political points. And I think I'm just like the way it's going to be is like I'm going to vote for maybe whoever I think the best candidate is, other than Trump, until if Trump happens to be. At at that point, then, yeah, I mean, I will. But I think, like, for me, especially with him in a way being our governor. See, about- that's the thing is, I don't like that part I didn't like. You're going to throw dirt? I mean, come on. Yeah. The Ronald Reagan analogies, I mean, it's gone. But, you know, don't criticize fellow Republicans openly. And the reason I would like to see, and it showed out with the Republican governors, you had Greg Abbott in Texas, you had Brian Kemp in Georgia, and you had Ron DeSantis in Florida. Competence played out. I think the public wants competence. And I, the reason I would like to see Ron DeSantis run, he's younger. He's proven that he can handle as an executive position. He was a veteran. He's, he's a veteran. He's a family man. Like yeah. I was talking with your wife, Erin, and the one thing I liked about Ron DeSantis is how he treated his wife 
when she had breast cancer. And there was an article a couple weeks ago saying the best exa- the best thing the Republicans have is when his wife, I don't know what her first name, Mrs. DeSantis, gave that commercial, talked about how he treated her, how he was there that, picking her up off the floor. That commercial gets me every time. But, I mean, he <laughs> picked her up off the floor. Yeah. As he was raising small children, and he loves his wife. And he was running a state. And the thing I like about DeSantis as well is that his whole mindset as a governor and as he's showing leadership, he is doing what's best for Florida. Correct. And anything, when it comes to bettering Florida, he will do what he can in order for that to happen. And the same thing, I think, would apply once he is president. He's like, I don't care if it's right or wrong or indifferent about it. He's like, I'm here for the American people. I don't care if you have a D or you have an R. If this is good for Americans, this is what well, we're going to do. example, look what he did with the schools. You, Aaron, was your wife was telling me about... Your daughter got to go to a charter school. That was because of Ron DeSantis. Yeah. And we need to start getting people who look at what's best for America and not what's best for the ego. Now, Donald Trump can help out and really galvanize the population to get to to support this. But, I mean, I think it's time to move on and get younger people in. Let's get a diversity thing. We're starting to change. The Republicans have become more diverse now. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who are going to disagree with me, but you've seen a lot more Hispanic Americans turn to the GOP. Look what Ron DeSantis did. I go, we go back to him. Look what he did in South Florida. Miami-Dade, for our listeners, hadn't voted for a Republican candidate since 2002 in over 20 years. Yeah, he mopped the floor with Chris. So, it, was just, and it, was, it was like a sad show. Now, let's just say for the sake, it looks like the Republicans are going to take the House— the president said he's not going to change anything. And the reason I said there's a the red wave didn't materialize, and I said this is a Pyrrhic victory, I think Biden's going to misread this mandate. He thinks he had a mandate. He just I think the public wants the mood is still 50-50. They want the parties to work together. Yeah. But I think Biden's going to misread it and still double down. Now, he's not if he would have had a there would have been a bigger red wave. I think he would have had some changes at his cabinet. Some of his cabinet secretaries may have gone. Yeah. Now it looks like I think some of them are going to stay. Are we just going to call it a you know, Can we call it a win once we get the Senate and once we get the House? I think it'll be a win. I mean, get once you get the House, that means that he's going to have to compromise because he can't get things done. Now, I know I always <clears throat> use him as an example. Like John- Wait, Jonathan Turley? Yeah, Jonathan okay. Turley. But Jonathan Turley wrote a column. Not Victor and David And he talked Hansen. about... I, got, I haven't seen Hanson yet, but, I mean, Jonathan Turley made a comment. He goes, there's three things that's going to take away if the Republicans, which would look like they will, get the House. One, they're going to investigate the origins of COVID. We still don't know where did it start in a wet market. All circumstantial evidence points to a it was released and came out of a wet, not a wet market, a lab. Yeah. Where does that place Anthony Fauci? What did he know? We was told certain things that he didn't fund it. Then we found out he did. Then we found out the amount, how they uh, colluded and stopped anybody who had dissenting views about mask mandates. Downs. The other investigation, which everybody probably realizes, is Hunter Biden. There's mountains of evidence through pictures, through emails, through documents that show Joe Biden did know about Hunter Biden's business dealings with the Chinese the Ukrainians, the Russians, and others. 
So where does that play? And how does that play with Merrick Garland not doing a special counsel investigation? And where did the FBI, who wasn't going to investigate that? And then the final one is where there was a federal judge authorized a deposition from 11 Biden officials, including Anthony Fauci and Jen Psaki. But did they collude? And did the Democrats collude with the tech companies to suppress free speech? Because they know you can't suppress the First Amendment as an elected, as a government, but by you colluding with the tech companies, that is, again, a violation of the Constitution, whether directly or indirectly, you are stifling free speech. So there are all those three investigations. We'll have to see how that plays out. So do you think the midterms play out almost like the Winter Olympics? Like they're going on, but nobody's really paying attention to it? Or For right now, the American people, I mean, for the pundits, it keeps going on. Right now, it's November the 9th. Now everybody's indirectly start to gear up. They're starting to kind of make rumblings looking forward. You'll know more after January 1st is the presidential run. Yeah. You'll start to see that. But to the American people, they go back to their humdrum lives. They're worried about inflation, gas prices, food prices, rent, all the tangible things. And right now it's November the 9th. We're getting about what, two weeks away. We're at, or two and a half weeks away, we're at Thanksgiving. Yeah. So everybody's going to start to see when you go to the markets, everything is more, much more expensive. And maybe you're not having that big Thanksgiving dinner that you once did. Then you've got to start ordering for Christmas. And if there's a rail strike or if we have a shortage of diesel fuel, how does that impact the holiday season? And when it comes to, I mean, did we, I mean, like your end result and your end, how did we do for the midterms? Like, could we have done better? Was there, were there people that we were expecting to pull through that kind of fell flat? There were some, there was the governor, I think his name is Mastriani. He ran against the Democratic governor, Democratic candidate who won the governorship in Pennsylvania. Okay. And he got just clobbered. And a lot of people thinking if had he done better, there may have been a residual effect to help Merit Oz. So sometimes it may be better candidates. The money, I think the Republican Party has to get together because there's friction between the McConnell wing of the Republican Party and the Trump wing. They weren't spending money in certain races like Ohio, Pennsylvania, and they could even Don Bullock who lost just by a few percentage points to Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire and even Blake Masters in Arizona didn't get some of the backing because there was that friction. Yeah. So I think moving forward, the Republican Party needs to take the tenets of what Ronald Reagan said when he ran, don't speak ill of fellow Republicans. Yeah. And you can be, if we're united, but I think the Republicans are on a good path, but they're, they're, because they're now the party of the working class. If you don't have a college education, if you didn't go to college, you're t- or if you're in the blue-collar field, you typically are going to be Republican. But also, let's say, take Pennsylvania. If you look at the map, Pennsylvania went strictly for, most of the counties went for Merritt Oz, except the big population centers of Pennsylvania, Allentown, and Pittsburgh. Now, people will say, well, that's where the populations are, but it shows the divide between the rural and urban core. It seems like the urban core go Democrat, but the rural suburban areas 
go more Republican. So, Ray, what did you notice last night as you were watching all this go down? Well, first off, this is my first state that went full red. Okay. I, I've lived in states that my vote never even mattered. So it was nice. I was to, like California. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was very nice to see a different color other than blue. But, yeah, I mean, I had looked at every percentage. I've looked at the people that put in their concerns, and I thought crime being a very high percentage, I thought we would have definitely seen a little bit of a different turn. I, you had 730 days of demo, full Democratic leadership, and this is what they showed you. Yeah. And I thought that there was going to be that little change. But I mean, we still have yet to see the full result in my kind of specialty on what I do and where I want to go in career. I do know that there is some bills in that Senate that are looking to be that the president is hungry to sign. And I thought that would have been a very key factor on some of the votes. Yeah, I can um, see that. We have uh, an assault weapons in that Senate. We have other ATF stuff in that Senate that are looking to pass the Senate. And I thought that with how this country has changed more pro-gun, more, more pro-Second Amendment, we would have seen well, a little bit it's of a not, difference. Well, I think it's not that it became more pro-Second Amendment. I just think they saw, with all the crime— and they see, like in New York, we had a guy that came into the shop that I work at, and we do we deal with. I'm not law enforcement, but we have we deal with law <laughs> enforcement. But we but he said that when you go into a gun store in New York, you have to show a card that you're authorized to handle weapons. Yep. I thought that was a little bit a little over the top, but I would have thought certain things like that. Now the other thing is for the Democrats. Let's just say for the sake of argument. The Democrats do pull out two of those remaining Senate seats of the three, and they get 51 senators. Do they abolish the filibuster? And that they won't be able to pass everything because the House would have to go along with it. But do they get rid? Do they get rid of the filibuster? Those are questions that we don't know. There's a lot of issues that have to be addressed. Even though I didn't, it didn't go the way I thought it was with all these other issues outstanding that we mentioned earlier, what direction does the president go? And now he's running. He said he's running for re-election. This emboldened him because he didn't do as bad in his first midterm elections that Obama and Bill Clinton did. This emboldens him to think he can run. What Democrat will challenge him? Is it Gavin Newsom? Is it Gretchen Whit Whitmer? Who challenges him? That's to be seen because he'll be 80. He's 80 now. He'll be 82 when he's running for president. He'll retire at 86. Uh, so man. he'll be out of there in 86. Oh, Does man. he run again? That's scary. And, okay, that's why I think, and even some Democrats, they don't want, if you look at the polls, Dem Democrats, they, they want to move past the Trump-Biden era, get different candidates it's almost like i agree with that it's almost yep. like in 2016 when there was a potential that jeb bush before donald trump took got hold that he was going to get the nominee and people were like do we really want to go bush clinton again yeah i mean can we get different candidates yep. now it'll be interesting to see who are the new class of democrats because the progressives gained a couple seats so that squad has gotten larger. I think they're up to 10, 10 seats or 10 in the House. I don't know with that statement because I feel like that would be right because 
back in 2020's election, you had Joe Biden and then everybody else with some sort of different background. And they didn't choose that. They chose the old white guy. Well, they think they did and because they didn't want Bernie Sanders because they they thought he would do well in the general election. So they got him. And I don't have any facts to break to, to put this together. But I think what the Democrats wanted, Joe Biden gets in. He picks a progressive vice president, which he pitched Kamala Harris. And then they would slowly push him out and Kamala Harris would jump into the presidency and they would get the progressive in the presidency without having to go through the electoral process. But I think the problem was <coughs> that our vice president Ka- Kamala Harris is, I hate to use this term, is incompetent because she's not intelligent. She's just lazy. If you look at her background, she didn't have to earn anything. Everybody just gave her positions, whether she was a, when she was the boy girlfriend of a prominent Democrat, she was given key positions that really didn't do anything but paid really well. They groomed her to be the attorney, the district attorney in San Francisco. Then they groomed her to be the attorney general in California, and everything went her way. And you listen to some of her staff when they leave. They give her briefing binders to study, and she just doesn't study. No, she says school bus like seven times during a speech. Yeah, because she's ill-prepared to go up in front of a like when she was like this like an example when she was with Lester Holt from NBC and he questioned her about the border and she goes have you been to the border yeah yeah we have and he goes what do you mean you've been to the border well I haven't been to Europe either what's your point and it's like wait a minute you're the borders are and you haven't been to the border and I would think that they would use her a lot more being a the first female vice president I mean the as that side they could really lift her up and push her along to maybe doing some more positive changes especially in the political field about getting more women to fill those seats and stuff like that (laughs) except now she's you're almost like kamala who yeah but see i think the problem is kamala harris is just as gaff prone as joe biden is if not more she just when she when you ask her a question then she goes into that chuckle because she's trying to compensate because she doesn't have an answer. Yeah. And she she has a very, it's almost like a middle school, high school type answers. There's no depth to it. And so, I think that's a problem. Well, I do want to make my announcement now that I will be running for congressman of District 13 in Florida. Just because John Fetterman... <clears throat> Because John Fetterman, well, he won. And I think I have a good chance because this guy had a stroke. We also have um, a congresswoman up in New York. and or, Yeah, she's got like half a brain. She didn't know what a garbage disposal was until she walked in. We have a drunk speaker of the house. We have a guy with Alzheimer's as our president. I think I got a good chance. But see, here's the thing. When you mentioned John Fetterman, I was just thinking about that when you mentioned that. He won. By not having any debates until the 27th of October, the state of Pennsylvania was voting three three weeks before that. He was pressed on, show us your medical records or let's have your doc. Didn't do any of that. The problem the Democrats are going to have now, if he can't fill his position as senator because the stroke takes over, they're lucky they have a Democratic governor who can replace the replacement. But that person would only fill the position of Senate until 2024. 
So wouldn't it be his wife? Isn't that kind of speculated? His wife's gonna. Well, but either way, it's, it's up to the governor to pick if something happens to John Fetterman. But let's just say something does. Then the argument's going to be is, why didn't we know this? If I was a voter of Pennsylvania and we just elected a senator, we don't know anything about his medical history, especially a stroke is very debilitating. My dad had a yeah. very mild stroke, and it did affect his verbal. We don't know the extent. Ray had a stroke, and you can see how that affected him. Yeah, but okay. <laughs> but we don't know the extent of John Fetterman's uh, condition. So let's say he goes to the Senate. He's going to be having to discuss and work and debate and push legislation through. You can't keep doing it by closed captioned. How long is he going to have closed captioned? We just don't know. So did the media do its job? No, I. the media is... The media needs to go back to the Society of Professional Journalism Ethics Code, and it breaks down by bullet points. They need to hold both sides accountable for making statements, their policies, and what they're going to do, but they don't. Like, they downplayed the crime. They down, they, Look how they handled the John Fetterman campaign. They never had any tough interviews with them. They never did anything. They gave them, like when that one NBC reporter who questioned him on an interview, she even said that when I talked with them, it just sounds like he was unsure, didn't understand what I was saying. She was vilified by the journalistic community, and she was doing what she was doing as a journalist. But, like, they didn't cover anything about Hunter Biden. This is directly related to Joe Biden, the crime issue. Look at immigration. It seems like immigration was that fourth or fifth issue. That hasn't changed. What about Roe v. Wade? Even Roe v. Wade. Well, here's the, the best example is Medicare, and Joe Biden said it again, Medicare and Social Security. How many times did candidates across the political spectrum say that the Republicans want to cancel or eliminate Social Security and Medicare? Even the Washington Post gave that to Joe Biden as the bottom of the Pinocchio list. I mean, it was surprising it came from the Washington Post, but how many people would fact check the Democrats saying no Republican ever said cut Social Security and Medicare. Rick Scott, the senator from Florida, said we need to reform it when most people don't know. Social Security only has about six to eight years left, and then it's insolvent. Medicare is broke at 2025. How many people knew that? And that's not me saying that. That's the Social Security and Medicare actuary that monitors these programs. And the Democrats have moved about $800 billion from Medicare to shore up Obamacare. It's almost like if you took everybody's Social Security, put it into a 401k, would you have a better return? Well, actually, no, not with this administration. But if you put it tied to like the stock, I'm not saying that's the answer. But what you're saying is if you go to the stock, it goes... Yeah, it comes down, but eventually over time it goes up. Yeah. But the problem people need to understand, no Republican ever said cut Social Security or Medicare. They said reform it. And the Democrats always say that means you want to cut it. I never said that. Nobody ever said that. But people don't know, and I wish the media would do its job, is Medicare is broke at 2025. Yeah. Social Security got about 20, I think 32, the latest 2030, because of the recessions and the economic downturn, did anybody ask that or investigate why $800 billion was moved from social Medicare 
to shore up Obamacare? That wasn't addressed. What about the border? We had 4 million illegals cross that border. 179 were caught on the terror watch list. Over a million gotaways. How many were there on the terror watch list that we didn't capture? Yeah. But that hasn't been addressed. So, John, if anybody does want to address it, how can they go ahead and get a hold of you? You can get a hold of us by going to ubaldireports at gmail.com. That's ubaldireports at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, obviously, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and others. You can look us up by going to all the streaming sites where the podcasts are held and check us out. Leave comments. Let us know what you think. Also, let us know what what you want to, want to discuss, and keep following Ebali reports. Now, Joe wants to give a shout. I like to give a shout out to his American Gunslingers. Yep. So a great pot. A little more edgier than this. <laughs> a lot more edgy. Throw some booze in there, and they'll freaking they're going great. Yeah. So if you want to listen to us, Ray and I, we do a podcast called All American Gunslingers. We talk booze. We talk guns, and <clears throat> we put a little something on the end. All different types of different weeks so if you want to go listen to that you can go us you can hear us on all streaming platforms that's facebook twitter youtube tiktok or twitch and then if you want to watch us live we're going to be on tiktok we're on instagram and you can catch us on all the social media platforms at allamericangunslingers.com also ray is a avid gunsmith he also loves the Second Amendment, and he has his own notary. So if you want to get a hold of him for any of those, how can you do that, right? My email is raymond.aags at gmail.com. Yes, notary, gunsmithing, Second Amendment, gun control, all of it. We can discuss that even further into depth. And then we are also looking forward to putting in a gun range here in the west side of Florida. Very soon, we are discussing plans. And we look to be going to SHOT Show in January as well. But the one thing when you talk to Ray about firearms, he could also, especially because I know I work at a gun shop that we sell firearms. Not a cop. Not a cop. (laughs) But there are individuals that come in who are wanting to buy a firearm for the first time. It's more than just what type of firearm, but maybe you 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 can ask him questions. What should I avoid? When I go into a firearm shop, because sometimes it can be intimidating if you don't know much about firearms and you're dealing with people that do. He can give you this is what the questions you should be asking. This is the questions you should or things you should be looking out for just to make sure that you get to have a great firearm experience when you buy one and to make sure you don't sell. Someone doesn't sell you something just because they can make a sale and you're paying the bucks. I had a friend's friend did that, went to a firearm gun shop they sold her a firearm but it was a little bit more involved than she probably should use being a first-time gun owner yep so all right everybody have a great day and we will talk to you soon and keep following ubaldi reports till next time keep following ubaldi reports